Hello and welcome to Designer Talks Podcast by the Charter Society of Designers. Our guest today is Nick Banks. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Leftress. Nice to meet you. It's great to have you here. Fantastic. So tell us about you. Okay. Well, I'm British and recently taken on Italian citizenship as well. Uh, I've lived overseas for many years, basically since age 10. I moved overseas with my family, my parents, to Saudi Arabia and Pakistan, and then back to Saudi Arabia, during which time I was also at uh, a Quaker boarding school in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I then came back to do full-time education in the UK at Sheffield University, my first degree, and then my second degree at Leicester, um, and then started off in the the world of design and architecture, working with Lee's Associates in London, and then went on to join Terry Trickett, Trickett Associates, who were quite big back in the 80s, uh, and then decided to move on to away from London um, to Milan in Italy, where I felt, felt it was all happening back then in 1988, <laughs> it was a long time ago, <laughs> um, where I worked with a designer who I had... A, seen on the cover of Blueprint magazine, and I thought, he's the guy that I really want to work with. His name is Antonio Cetirio, uh, who's still going strong and doing some amazing work. And I uh, worked with him for a while and then went on to work with another uh, prominent architect called Michele De Lucchi, who is one of the uh, founders, along with Ettore Sotsas of the Memphis group, so quite a different style, stylistically, from Cetirio's work. Um, and then moved on again to back t- closer to, Ch- to Chirio's style of work, working with Norman Foster in Hong Kong, where I, I was asked to join the team to work on the new, what was then the new Hong Kong airport. Um, so this is back in the early 90s. And I worked with Norman Foster for a few years. The, the airport was designed and built. And uh, I stayed on in Hong Kong as has often happened with Norman Foster's studio when he's done projects in Hong Kong. Many people stay on because they like it over there. And I was one of them. I stayed on and opened my own studio called Atelier Pacific, which has recently celebrated 25 years. So uh, that's where we are now. Wow, that's a great introduction. So we need to go more, <laughs> a bit more in depth into all this fantastic outline you've just given us. <laughs> so tell us, when did you realize you want to become a designer? Well, the honest answer is quite late because um, I mentioned I, I did two degrees. So my first degree was at Sheffield University where I did uh, civil and structural engineering. And I'll be honest, my father was or is a, an engineer. And I kind of, like many 18-year-olds, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. And um, I kind of fell into engineering because that's what dad was. And uh, not that he pushed me, but that's what I thought I should do. Um, so it was during that time studying engineering and I actually worked as an engineer in the, my first summer between year one, year two, at Bradford Municipal Council in the north of England in the drainage department, which, um, was not the most exciting, inspirational engineering place to be. Um, and that really made me think, hang on a second, I want to be doing something a bit more creative. And so I looked at uh, becoming an architect or uh, a designer of some kind. Um, but actually, 
Having said that, before all of that, as a, as a child, I think I've always been, I realize now with hindsight, it's one of these things you realize as you get older, uh, I've always been a maker in the sense that I always made airfix models. And there's probably some some of the listeners and viewers probably won't even know what airfix models are, but it's the, it's the airplanes and tanks and all these little plastic models that you used to make as a young boy back in the six, 60s and 70s. Um, and then I went on to make lots of model railways as well. And I loved creating towns and landscapes. So basically, if you like, the seed was always there, perhaps, um, but it was only later on going through education that actually I realized that, in fact, yes, this is something I wanted to do. So after my engineering degree, um, I finished the engineering degree because I wanted to become an architect, but they would only, they would only let me become an architect by going back and restarting all over again. And I said, no way. So uh, I decided and said, I found a way to do a master's degree in what was called environmental design at the time, but was essentially 3D design um, in, the old, in the old sense of the word of 3D design. So that's, that's how I became a designer. Fantastic. So, so how did your first degree, what was the contribution later on? Did it come useful? Yes. I would say very much so. Very much so. Um, I mean, the interesting thing was to kind of explain a little bit what happened there was when I was at school, I never really had that much, any, any specific creative uh, background. I did technical drawing. I did art O-level. Um, um, but then I didn't do art at A-level, nor did I do any creative work at A-level either. And I remember the careers officer said, well, actually, you can't do anything architectural or design-wise because you haven't got these artistic backgrounds, which with hindsight was a bit of, was a bit of bad advice. It was nonsense. Um, so he kind of pushed me more to something a bit less, less creative. Um, so I went into the engineering, as I say, a bit, a little bit out of, out of lack of anything else to do. Um, I mean, it was a good degree, a very good degree. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm having a, a young, I've got three children having a, uh, my son has also been through the same. Uh, experience that I've been through, and of course, when you're 18 as a young man, you're not always clear what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You, if you know what you want to do, you're very lucky. But I think most of us don't. Um, so I went into engineering, and as I said, I, I finished that before I went on to do my masters in, in design. But certainly, to answer your question, the first degree was always of benefit because actually, not only did it give me a sense for for logical thinking and how to put things together but also to be honest it made me slightly unusual on my cv mm. and that was always a, a good thing and that's become arguably become even more important for young people today to have that distinction because everyone it seems like everyone I, i'm speaking from a point of view as an employer now unfortunately it's very hard to 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 choose between the cvs because everyone's got a great degree and everyone's got a great master's degree so actually the fact that i had this slightly weird mix of civil instruction engineering as a first degree and then what was essentially a master's in interior design as a second degree it made people sort of say oh what's well who's this guy what's his you know how does this work together so um so that was yeah it was the the, the two certainly helped but it I'll be honest, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned that way. So what, what would you say are the parallels between engineering and design? Um, well, definitely the need to 
well, okay. The, 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 there are obviously there are differences as well, but there, uh, I think one of the key parallels is to think logically and think through the process and um, try and understand how something is going to come together. I mean, uh, um, to, to, to answer your question in a slightly negative way, the when design or architecture is given a, a, a bad press, so to speak, it's when the designer or the architect involved has not necessarily managed to manage the project particularly well. So, and that's often because they haven't thought through the process, they haven't understood the timing, or they may, maybe haven't even understood the, the budget or whatever is involved. Um, at the end of the day, design is an applied artistic discipline. And, and the application means that actually it's, it's something that is, has a commercial element to it. So that's, uh, so the engineering side definitely has the parallel there of, of being able to think logically and work your way through a process has, has been key, absolutely key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else are you passionate about other than design? Um, music. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, music. Um, but I'm not, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but I'm not one of these guys, middle-aged guys who plays the, plays the guitar and, uh, you know, a wannabe rock star or DJ. Uh, but I, I do love my music. I mean, the, since, since the arrival of Spotify, Spotify for me was, has been one of the greatest apps that, uh, that appeared on the scene in the past where it's been five plus years now. Um, even more so than anything that came before. I think it's probably, I can, I can get lost on Spotify for hours looking through different types of music. And, um, I love it. I, I love, I love all types of music. As they say, I have a very broad range of, of tastes. So did you ever study music at, at all? No, I played the piano and, yeah. Yeah. um, as a, as a kid. Yeah. And unfortunately gave it up when I started to hit my mid teens because I realized that actually, um, there was more fun to be had outside of the piano practice room, <laughs> which I think a lot of people do, whether it's, whether it's the piano or it's a violin or many yes. musical instruments get, get, get uh, left by the wayside when the mid-teens, when you realize the practice is not something that you're, you're willing to put in. Or the personality. I mean, I, 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 I was a violinist for a very long time. Um, right. But uh, right. It, 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 it just, when you, when you of course realize that it takes, you know, you put in those six hours a day, but it, you know, you, it just, it just. If if that's not your cup of tea, you know, you, you just have to sort of become more, so, exactly. more sociable. Exactly, <laughs> it, it is it's very hard when you're when you're a young person and everyone else seems to be out there having fun. You know, the idea, the concept of the ten thousand hours yes. to become the perfect violinist or pianist or tennis player, whatever it may be. It, it's it's ten thousand hours every day. Exactly. <laughs> 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 Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the difference. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do differently if you were to start again? Do you know, I, yeah, when you sent me that question, and I've been, I was looking at them again before, uh, before we spoke, mm-hmm. and um, that's a really tough one because I actually. I don't have any regrets at all. Of course, in that regard. No, it's not about it's regrets, like, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 but I, I mean, it's. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure what I would have changed because I, you know, I'm. Thankfully, I've been very lucky with the way things have worked out. And um, absolutely, I'm, I'm a great. I am also a great believer. I'm quite, I, I think of myself as quite a positive person, and uh, I think actually every every decision and every situation 
is always for a reason and it leads on to interesting things so that, that for me um i'm not i'm not, i wouldn't change anything i mean i um if i were to do a completely different job a completely different discipline then perhaps um th and this is something that's come to mind in recent years perhaps i would have studied law which yeah. may seem completely different to uh what i've done but it, actually just to explain that the reason is that i see some similarity because actually i do have an interest in improving things or helping people and ultimately that's what i believe design does it does actually improve the environment or improve the situation as it, it provides solutions to to problems um again it's an applied it's an applied art um so in that regard law has some similarities that actually it's about providing a solution and mm. fixing a problem of course lawyers mm. don't always have the best reputation of doing that sometimes they seem to be uh, whatever that's a whole other discussion but um you know i think that would be something that would be would be of interest mm. now i'll be honest as i get towards the end of my career um because i'm just still i've got a big a big birthday coming up with a zero on the end of it quite soon I'll, i'll let the listeners work out or the viewers perhaps work out what that zero that may be in front of the number in front of it um but as i come up towards and uh, looking towards the, the last part of my career i think well okay so what what else would interest me and the most bizarre thing again complete perhaps even more random than law is i quite fancy being i'd be a lumberjack i love i love trees not the, not a lumberjack to tr to chop down trees but a lumberjack or a tree surgeon to 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 work with trees because i think trees have become uh, in my mind are, are so important that they have become they've always obviously always been there but i think um over the years i've started to value how important they are to 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 our environment i mean there's nothing there's nothing like admiring a a beautiful tree against the blue sky or or even a winter even at winter time you know the the outline of a, a winter tree in, in england at the moment for example is uh, can be stunning can be absolutely stunning absolutely so, <laughs> an odd reply to your question that was fantastic what has been your most rewarding design experience um that almost without doubt has been my work with norman foster on hong kong airport um i think it was it harked back to my days as a young boy building model railways and um, building landscapes and uh and airfix models um but it it was such a huge project so just to explain a little bit about for the listeners so back in 1992 uh norman foster won what was an open competition to design a new terminal building for Hong Kong airport for Hong Kong airport and that was part of a whole massive move of the airport out of town because Hong Kong was very famous for having the planes coming in with the runway was right in the center of town um or in the center of the city so there was a, there was a massive massive infrastructure project where basically some islands were reclaimed from the sea and this this two runways were built and the the terminal building was built there was a, a high speed rail link out to the from the central town out to uh the airport which i was also involved in was the mtr there's mass transit railway um and it was as a whole it was definitely a fantastic project 
to be on. I mean, it's it's it, I, it was there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on there. I, I have a lot of friends who I've worked with, uh, who I did work with, and were still good friends. And we and they were a very it was a very special time. It was one of those projects I've worked on many projects in my life, but it was one of those that was was almost quite defining for me and it's still one that i'm incredibly proud of i was one of the team leaders for the for the whole project so it's um it was great a great project to work on <laughs> fantastic how does design affect your everyday life to be honest it slows me down <laughs> <laughs> and i'll tell you why i'll explain that answer i'll tell you why it slows me down it's because um i'm one of these people who I look at stuff. I want to understand how something happens. And it drives my wife and often my kids crazy because often I will stop to look at something and say, well, hang on, why is that? How did that happen? How is that like that? Um, and it is just part and parcel for me of, of being a designer. It's like, you know, so looking underneath tables and like, well, yeah, how's that fixed? Or, wow, you know, how did they do that? Um, I mean, there's, there's a great story I always remember from um, very early on, which I thought kind of captures a little bit of this. Um, a lady, oh gosh, whose name I've forgotten. Oh gosh, uh, and a big, a big hotel family in the UK um, back in the early '80s, and she, she, she was the lady in charge, member of the family in charge of, of building new hotels. And uh, I always remember that one of the things she did, because actually we did a project with them when I was working in London, was that she would go into the bathroom as, as the project was being finished, go into the bathroom and she'd lie in the bath and see what you could, she could see from the bath. Because actually as designers, you often didn't think about that. So, but of course, of course, the customer, the client in the hotel will often will be lying in the bath and might see something they don't like to see. So they might see the under, underside of the, of the sink cabinet or they might see something else so not so nice. So it's, it's kind of that attitude that I've, that I've got a little bit that um, it, it, does, it slows me down because I want to, I, if there's something I don't fully understand, I want to understand it and, and look at it and study it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how Absolutely. it affects my day-to-day -day life. Fantastic. Who has been your biggest influence in life? Um, well, she's not here at the moment, but she'll be listening to this later, so she'll be very pleased to hear. But I'd say my wife. <laughs> uh, my wife and my parents have both been definitely a huge influence. My wife uh, is Italian, and she's, I met her in working in Italy, and she's gone on to be a huge influence in my life. Um, but perhaps more traditionally, a more traditional answer that you might, might be helpful to people uh, are probably the two architects that I worked with in Milan when I was a young man, when I first went to Milan. So as I mentioned earlier, I worked with Antonio Cittirio, who is um, an absolute stickler for detail. He was, I remember one of the, the first jobs I did, we were designing a huge shopping mall for him, for, 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 for his studio. And uh, this was pre the days of AutoCAD or any CAD design. So I had to draw the facade of this shopping mall and it was a brick facade that I was working on. And I had to draw every brick, every single brick in the right location because he wanted to see how the whole thing worked together, how, how, the, how the brick joints all met around the windows, the doors, the openings, etc. He wanted to see everything. And 
it was a huge job. We also then went on to, I was also working on a job with him for Vitra, the furniture design, furniture company. And we would design, which not unusually now I realized, of course, we, we, we drew by hand again, we drew the chairs at one-to-one -one scale because you did, because it's, a, why wouldn't you? So his attention to detail was, I thought was, um, was incredible and a huge, a huge influence on me. You drew but them one-to-one. I drew them at one-to-one, -one, wow. yeah. I had a massive, we had a big A0 or double A0 drawing board in the yeah. old days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was kind of crazy. Um, not crazy, but it, it was just an interest. It was a concept that I hadn't come across before to be, to be looking at this level of detail. So he was definitely a huge influence. But then as a, as a contrast to that, the, the architect I went to work with after him was this guy, or is this gentleman called Michele De Lucchi, who I mentioned was part of the, the Memphis group back in the eighties. Uh, it's very pop punk, yeah. you know, whatever design group. And Michele, who is still a, a great friend of mine and we, we, keep in touch uh, whenever I'm in Milan uh, is and to this day he's he is is a uh, what's the correct word he, he experiments he has no qualms about making mistakes so he will he just he creates he just keeps creating he just keeps coming out and he, he, he'll admit himself that so sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work sometimes it works sometimes it, but he, he doesn't he doesn't hold back and uh, I thought that's also that's also something I admire. So between the two, which are quite different, I try and sort of tread that balance between what Chaterio does, which is really almost perhaps overly controlled. I don't know, you might say, but a bit very controlled, let's say. And uh, what Deluki does, which is like, okay, let's just draw it, let's just let's just model it, let's just see how it looks. Yeah. And uh, it's a, between the two, it's a great way to work as a designer, I think, because you because if you can if you can bounce between the two, then obviously you've got the free reign of creativity. Plus, you're obviously being concerned about how it's going to come together. <laughs> Brilliant. That's the idea, anyway. That's great. What what has been your biggest mistake? Um, yeah, another one I struggle to answer because to be honest, there is, there is no one big mistake that I, that comes to mind. Um, I think, um, if anything, it's the, 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 the only mistakes I may have is perhaps to trust people, which sounds a bit cynical, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but it's you know, the, the mistakes that, that, that do come to mind are things like, you, you know, if you work with some clients and you never receive the final payments, like, mm, you know, I trusted them or you, or you work with some, you have people who work with you and you think they are working alongside of you. And then before you know it, all of a sudden they've gone and taken some of your clients with you or, or your database. Or even, or even perhaps it's not not a regret, not a, a mistake, but perhaps sometimes a, a little bit of naivety. I can be a bit naive. I just assume that everyone can be as as involved and enthusiastic and uh, as as concerned about a project as I can be. Um, I do tend to get sometimes a little bit emotional about a project um, going in a certain direction and. Um, Perhaps my mistake can be that not obviously not the only mistake I make is not everyone is always on board and, and they're not as enthused or as concerned about it as I might be. Yeah. But no big mistake. I'm lucky. I'm lucky in that regard. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
What principles do you adhere to as a designer? Ah, oh, that's a tricky one. Did you send me that one before? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what principles? Well, do your, I your general design process, or yeah, you know. Um, well, I, I, I guess it picks up a little bit on probably what I just described with Chitirion de Luki. Um, the if 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 we if I start with a blank piece of paper. Which I'll be honest, actually, first, first of all, I'll be honest, is in a lot of the work we do, it's very, well, that I do in my studio, it's very rare that I have a blank piece of paper because we're either working with something or with an existing building or within an existing interior with, or within some context. Yeah. It's, it's very, very rare to be given a blank piece of paper. Plus, I'll also admit to being one of those people, a bit like the writer, the uh, writer's block, you face, if you are given a blank piece of paper, you're like, oh my gosh, you know. What do I do? How do I start? Um, so, in that situation, and in, in any of those situations, actually, but particularly the latter one, where if it is a blank piece of paper, um, my principles are is are perhaps Deluca's principles, like get it out there, let it flow, just keep get the ideas going. That's the only way to go. Just draw them, just say them, just model them, no matter how. Stupid, it may seem. Let's do it. Let's see what it looks like. And um, of course, that's easier said than done because in a commercial world, you don't often have that time to do that. But it is that's something you have to fight for as a designer as best you can, particularly when when it is a blank piece of paper. You need that time. I'm a great believer that you need that time to be creative and throw things out. I think it was Cabouzier who said something about how uh, he would take an idea and he'd let it sit in his mind and then and then come back to it once it. And nurtured and nourished and, and blossomed into uh, something within his mind. And, but and he, in that regard, he was right. I think you do have to uh, throw ideas down on paper or in some whatever it may be on the computer. And then ideally, you'd actually go away and come back to them again and then tweak with them a bit more and then go away again and come back a bit more. So that the principles I would have would be that's how you start. That's how I get going, and then and uh, so allow the allow the creative juices to flow. Um, but then, at some point, obviously, you do have to focus in on the details. And I am also, uh, I am a designer, and, and I tell you, Pacific, my design studio is is also a studio that actually uh, we're strong believers in actually making sure that we design for the solution. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not one that says, okay, well, this is the way I want it. That's not Nick Banks is trying to create something that looks like this. I'm not a, I'm not a signature stylist or designer in that regard. So I do believe the, the, the principles then once you've got the creative ideas out there, you've then, you've got to focus them in towards that, the, the, the parameters of what is required, whether they be time or budget. Or simply, you know, planning planning expectations or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Should designers be expected to solve everything? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I mean, yes. I I really do believe that. I think they should be. Uh, I mean, of course, if they can't physically solve everything but i think a designer a good designer um should be able to 
help a client or help whatever client body that you know provide the solution that that actually helps that client and that person move and find this, the solution that they want. So if that may even mean the designer saying, actually, I'm not the right person to use. You should be using Joe or Jane over here or whoever it may be. Um, so I think they, they should have an answer for everything. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, in my, my belief is that a designer is a, it is a profession. It is a profession, and we we do have to struggle to hold on to that idea at times. But it is a profession, and, and in the same way that one goes to a doctor and expects to hear some answer, some solution to help you, I feel a designer should do the same thing. So, and they should be open to that. Designers should be able to say, "Okay, so this is." Either I can help you do this, or we can help you do this, or this is the way you should do it. I think they, they should provide answers. Yeah, that's their that's their job. How do you see the future of design? Well, that kind of relates a little bit to what I just touched upon there in terms of the profession. I think the profession has struggled a little bit over the past few years to um to retain the respect that it used to have and that many of us would like to have um i mean uh, it, it was very interesting i always remember when i arrived in in italy and started working with Cetirio, um one of the things that was unique to italy and this is still the case here is the use of a title architetto as a as a as a term of respect and um which we don't have in in the uk or the or the anglo-saxon world um it's there's a little bit that comes through now you you, you they got adopted from the, the european ways a few years ago so you have engineers that tried to but they've got ir and some of their name cards that kind of thing um but it's 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 very rare that it's used in day-to-day -day speech whereas in in day-to-day -day speech in Italy is still, it was, and it still is quite common that in a professional situation, they'll, someone will say, architetto, you know, with a term of respect. So what, you know, what's your opinion on something? And that also was, was easier, if you like, in Italy in the old days, because architecture was almost the only creative, um, higher education stream so basically that's all so whether you're an interior designer a graphic designer uh or an, you know, an industrial designer many of the many of the designers slash architects um or fashion designer even many of them from from the 70s and 80s all studied architecture so uh john franco ferre for example a fashion designer was an art studying architecture i believe armani maybe even studied architecture initially um so that that term was a very generic term for someone who was a creative person who, who could give a, an opinion on something. So I think that that level of respect is, as I mentioned, is, is, is starting to weaken here in Italy a bit already. Um, but definitely in the UK and Anglo-Saxon world has has been lost. And um, I think that's quite a sad thing. So the future... Unfortunately, 
in the negative the negative side of it, it doesn't look so good for that in that regard because because as designers you've spent your years studying training to become a, a skilled in what you do and you may not always have the feedback and the response that you would hope to get um on the, the other side you could say well actually design the future of designers has become much more democratic because every every sunday newspaper every has is full of designers the, the tv is full of grand designs about how, you know people doing people are their own designers so um and there's and there's lots of software out there to 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 design your own kitchen to do this to do that and um you know I, ikea which is an amazing company will help you in that regard so on on the the plus of course is design is completely open and democratic now everyone's a designer everyone's a designer so that's that's the future everyone everyone is a designer everyone thinks they're a designer and everyone can be a designer and with with the advent of 3d printing etc we've we've heard about this people can start to do their own things at home that's which is without a doubt is a positive thing where that leaves the profession i'm not sure because it becomes it's a, it, it certainly challenges the profession and uh, you, again on a putting forward a positive spin i could say well it's a it's a good thing because it challenges designers to be even better providing even better service um but it's but yeah. i think you and i and many of the listeners will know it's pretty hard when but, there, but everyone can't be a doctor because you mentioned doctors earlier so it's it's a bit tricky that isn't it exactly exactly doctors <laughs> yes yeah although or, even 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 doctors or are an engineer or an engineer but <laughs> he, but even doctors i mean i have a good friend who's a doctor who who will tell you he complains about the fact that people come in they've googled what what's wrong with them so they're, they're telling the doctor what's wrong with them so it's it's not it's not that dissimilar in that regard so we i think the future the future design is is it has a plus to it that it's more open and democratic it definitely makes it much more challenging for those entering the profession definitely to distinguish themselves yeah <laughs> How do you relate to design awards? Are they important or do they just create the service of design? Okay, um I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of time for design awards and no disrespect to anyone involved in them uh in any way either as participants and winning them or organizing them whatever. Um but I found out very early on that design awards have their own agenda basically and uh in the worst case you can pay for them basically you can pay to be the designer of the year and even if you don't pay exactly what you are then for that kind of thing you, a lot of them have a lot of uh uh ulterior interests and motives i mean i Uh, as I say, I'm, so I'm I'm working predominantly. Our office is based in Hong Kong. We have an office uh, in Shanghai, and we also have an office in Milan. But and I would say, over the past 25 years, since I started Italia Pacific, a good I don't know what it would be 60% of my work has been in mainland China. Um, so I've seen China develop over the past 25 years, and how and, and what's happened there. And one of the things that has appeared in China. Is the fact 
which exists in other places as well. So it's not just a Chinese, not just a phenomenon unique to mainland China, but you can, it's, it's very hard to, to control this industry, but you can be, you can have an award for almost anything because there's someone running something, there's some media company, whether based out of Beijing or Shanghai or Guangzhou or Chongqing or wherever it may be, who will give you for a small bit of advertising revenue will give you a little plaque and a, a, a title that says you are the designer of the year for Asia Pacific. And she's like, well, yeah, <laughs> says who? <laughs> so, um, so I, yeah, I, I have a very, it's, it's probably unfortunate because there are, there are obviously some great awards out there, some great prizes and, um, on a, on a, on the very top level, I, 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 I do, I'm interested to see who wins the Pritzker Prize, et cetera, or the Sterling Prize in architecture. Um, but there's an awful lot of design awards, which I don't think are particularly worthwhile spending time on because particularly as a, for the, the, the most of us mere mortal designers, it's a lot of time and energy yeah. to put things in. Um, and what, you know, what does it, what does it get you on? I mean, yeah, the idea, of course, it gets you more clients. That's, that's what it gets you, I, I guess. But then you could arguably you could be running just a great Instagram account and that's a good, it'll get you good clients or even better still, which is the philosophy that I follow is that you just do a great job for a client and they'll come back or they'll tell their friends. And that, that's for me, that's the best thing that you, you don't need a design award for that. You need, but the word of mouth is something that you cannot. Can never be word of mouth recommendation. Cannot cannot really be corrupted. That's a hard thing Absolutely. to do. So. What other skills are needed in design, like outside design? Um. Well, I definitely, th I definitely think presentation skills, mm. in the in the widest sense of the word, is is absolutely huge. Um. I mean, as a, as a again as a designer of a certain age it kind of frightens me uh that if i ever think i would if i ever had to do about the amount of design or presentation skills that are required these days and luckily I, I have a team of people i work with who can young many most of whom all of whom are younger than i am uh who are up very good at producing good designs and then presenting them very well um but i think presentation is is really is really key um again in relation to everything i've just said so far you could see it as a good thing as a bad thing because you could say it's very superficial um but it's unfortunate it's the, it is the world we live in that people have very short attention spans and so if you can present your idea in the the most succinct and the most captivating way which may mean 3d animation um, may mean any kind of computer whiz, whiz bang graphics. Um, then if you can do that, that's absolutely key. That's absolutely key. Um, so I think presentation skills in, are absolutely important, but then also the soft skills are key to that. So not, not just whether, you know, how you are with your Photoshop and your, and your, and your, your all your software skills, you, but, but also actually your ability to, to communicate clearly and 
succinctly and 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 cohesively. Um, I think I've been fairly fortunate. Again, that comes back to my engineering background. That was one of the things that we were we were always taught when you write a report in engineering. I remember one tutor would actually go through it and say, "Well, you know, these words are <laughs> these words are unnecessary. You don't need to add these adjectives. It's just factual." So they would they would take out things because it was like it's a report. Just keep it to the point. The people just want to know the the details. And and to some extent, that's that's similar when you're presenting uh, when you're presenting an idea. You really want to get across. As, as enthusiastically, obviously, and, and positively as you possibly can, the, the core of the idea. Um, so I think presentation skills, in the, as I say, in the broader sense, are definitely absolutely fundamental. Um, I think maybe I mean, this is, I know in my master's degree, we did some human psychology. And I think actually some human psychology skills are pretty good as well. Reading people, reading the situation, reading the understanding how both not only in your meeting with your clients and your customers and your your consultants, but meeting, but understanding the 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 whole environment of the of the situation uh, from from a psychological point of view, I think is quite good. You know, use of color, all those things we uh, we get taught about at college, um, but often they're just little. The little, you know, very brief parts of the whole course, and I think, uh, I think for me that that was, I think that's a key part. Mm-hmm. Um, other skills, yeah, you know, money, <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty important. <laughs> um, in, in again, in the broader sense of the term, if you if you work, if you feel part of a team, uh, understanding how the the budget and what what, what requirements are, that's that's key. If you're obviously if you're your own designer, if you're your own freelance worker, or you're, you're running a studio, obviously the, the financial aspect is absolutely key. Um, and that's, I think that's, and then of course, then related, and then on from that, I'm just throwing out ideas generally, but on from that, one thing I, I find hugely important these days running a studio is, is human management. I was going to say man management, but I'm, I think I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think I, people management, that's the correct term. Um, so, and by that, I mean really not the team that you work with. I think yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's even more important than it, than it ever was. I mean, it was always important, but I think it's just that in the past, some people, some designers got away with, uh, and with not having great people management skills. Uh, because they were just they were so amazing as designers um but i think that's you can't get away with that in this day and age um people management is absolutely key to get the most out of people to get people on board to to make everyone happy to be working in the way they're working because let's be honest anyone anyone any designers listening to this uh to listening to this podcast i mean they haven't gone in it for, they haven't gone into the profession for the money none of us go into to, to design to become rich um if that's if anyone out there thinking that's what's, what's going to happen sorry tune out now change your change your direction because it ain't going to happen um but yeah joking aside that's that's you know it's, it is about the people in design definitely fantastic how do you maintain your enthusiasm? Um, maintain it. 
Well, I, t- I tell you one one thing I don't do, which which um, may again seem almost counter counterintuitive to to what some people expect is I do not spend a lot of time looking at design magazines or design websites um, or even watching design TV or things like that. Um, I and the reason I don't do that. I did as a young as a young person uh, as a young designer. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I still actually it's, it's a bit of a problem because I have a collection of Italian design magazines that I I would buy and spend a huge amount of money on there. Ten thousand, twelve thousand lira, I think it was, for a copy of Domus or or Abitari or any of these magazines. Which I'm, I've now got several many years worth of them in the studio, which I'm I'm. So reluctant to get rid of, but no, no one's interested in them these days. Um, so I did used to pour through the des- latest design magazines to see what was going on. Um, now I don't because actually I find they, it's almost like they, it almost saps your enthusiasm. It almost saps your energy. Um, so I, that's, that's for me personally. I mean, I, uh, because I think I, it would just, it, it, it's not where I'm getting inspiration. I don't get inspiration from, looking at or enthusiasm or enthusiasm from looking at other people's work necessarily on a either on the screen or a printed uh piece piece of paper um where i do get enthusiasm from is actually from elsewhere outside um on the, so i mentioned trees earlier on i mean there's i'm i'm quite a quite a, i enjoy being out in nature i enjoy my uh going out into the countryside i've just been hiking this weekend uh, in the rain and, and snow, would you believe, um, in the Apennines of Italy, and uh, it, it's beautiful. It's, it's inspirational. It, it fills you with enthusiasm. So it's, yeah, and it's and obviously, as I walk through nature, I'm not necessarily getting design solutions immediately. It's not like I look at a, a forest or anything and say, "Oh, that's that would be a good idea for my new." restaurant design or make it you know it's, it's not as literal as that but it it allows you, you your appreciation of of the beauty of of life allows you to be enthusiastic in other ways and uh so i i tend to my enthusiasm tends to come from or, or my inspiration let's say to be more precise comes from either outside nature or movies i'm a, a big movie fan um and even even design highly designed movies like the the Korean movie Parasite with a super super designed uh, house. I mean, I, I love all that. It's, that's I love I love that. But I love the, the books. I love the stories as well. So um, and of course music. All of that is inspiration and, and makes me enthusiastic. What well, fantastic? What would be uh, some characteristics or qualities of a design that you'd be looking for? Like, in in designer, what kind of characters would you be looking for in a, in a designer? Sort of, that would that would be sort of. I think um, well, for, okay, for me, the number one characteristic that a good designer should have is inquisitiveness. So, in, inquisitiveness, yes, that, that's correct. Yeah. Inquisitiveness. So, to be inquisitive, um, and I think that's as as a studio owner and an employer. That's what I look for in in other designers, um, and I think if if I've ever been in a client situation, and what I want my clients, I want my clients to look for the same the same thing. So 
And by that, I mean, it, it, it should, it's a characteristic that should be, be that it comes with this sort of inspiration, enthusiasm. Someone that goes back to my idea of why, you know, why I can't walk down the street without stopping to look at something, how that comes together. Because, because you should, as a designer, you should constantly be questioning, constantly saying, well, actually, can it be, that was done like this before, but can it be done in another way? Um, so inquisitiveness is definitely, if that is the right word for me, it's just but it's, Curios- curiosity, curiosity, yeah. Curiosity, yeah, there we yeah. go. That's better, yeah. Yeah, curiosity, yeah. <laughs> what about portfolios? Uh, yeah, tricky ones. Really tricky ones. Um, yeah, gosh, it's portfolios are really challenging and unfortunately they are a lot of work uh, and they constantly have to change so your portfolio has to ideally your portfolio has to be tailored to the person you're speaking to so from obviously from a studio point of view that's that's pretty obvious if as a studio if we're going to pitch for a new hospital design then obviously we have we within our portfolio work we show work that's relevant and, as, and if we're going to a restaurant design, we show other words, but that's pretty obvious. Um, but even ideally as an individual, you will be tailoring your portfolio to, to show examples of what would be of interest to that person or people that you're speaking to. So portfolios are, are very important. And Luckily, they are 99% of them are digital these days, which is absolutely fine. Everyone's happy with them being digital. Um, obviously, the bigger they are, we are we living in a, we, we live in a visual world. We are, we are working in a visual world, so the bigger they are, the better. So, you know, the ideal thing is you have your big 54-inch flat-screen TV that you can plug your memory stick into, and boom, when you show all these things that uh, you show your great work at a, at a great scale. Um, so that's yeah, they're, they're hugely important, and but they and hugely important, a hugely a huge amount of time they take up, as I say, because they need to be constantly refreshed and tailored to to whoever you're speaking to, and they shouldn't be too long. That's the other thing; they shouldn't be too they shouldn't be too much. They should be, again, no one has any. Everyone has everyone has very short attention spans these days. So whether it's a client or a potential employer, unfortunately, everyone has a a very short attention span. So you've got to be prepared to get your message across pretty quickly. But then you've also got to be prepared to have backup just in case they ask you to explain things in more detail. Yeah. <laughs> so which comes back to the point you have to have a you do a lot of work and you've got to be ready for all circumstances. Absolutely. What is a single piece of advice uh, that you would give to anyone started out as a designer and of course as a client as well. So it's, it's two is two sides. Um I think, again, probably relates to what I said earlier, curiosity. So I think as a designer, show that you are curious and inquisitive and enthusiastic. Um, I think that's, that's, I think almost with those traits, you could get, you should be able to get through, you should get that, that that's what any, employer or client wants to see i believe they want to see that um that that creative spirit basically um 
And I think, even, and I think, even for as from the client side as well, that's 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 correct. That's what they should be looking for. They should be looking for designers that have questioned or pushed the boundaries or approached a solution in a different way. Not for the sake of it, not not for just purely for the sake of it being different, but for for the fact that they've actually provided a solution that's unique to the problem that was that was given them. They haven't just used a cookie cutter solution. So I think, um, yeah, the best piece of advice, yeah, curiosity, definitely, and both for everyone. For everyone, yeah, enjoy life, question life, question it. And then, and then relish it and, and revel in it and being happy and enthusiastic about it. And what is the most important thing you've discovered as a designer? Um, the most important thing I've discovered as a designer is, see, he repeats the question like a, like a politician <laughs> to play for time. Um, I think the most important thing I've discovered is actually I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do one word, but I can't. So two words, oh, or four words. Be humble, but be confident. Those those things, I would say. I think um, I think design. You you you. No matter you you can never know all the answers, and that that's the whole point of being constantly curious and inquisitive and questioning. You can never know all the answers. So even if even if you think you do, you don't. Must you must understand you 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 don't, and you must have some humbleness in that regard, and understand that you're you're, you're a designer, ultimately providing a solution to something or someone that needs your help. So you, let's 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 be humble in that regard, but at the same time, be confident, because again, to use a doctor analogy. If I have to amputate the leg, I want them to be—I want them to be confident that they know what they're doing. Basically, I don't want them humming, humming or hawing. Like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Um, so I want—I I want a designer to be to be confident in what they're doing as well. Um, but with this mixture of being humble at the same time, so they don't allow their egos to run wild. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for a fantastic uh, interview, Nick. It's been fantastic. It's been really, really, really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your You're time. You're welcome. It was nice talking Thanks. with you. Thanks. Thank you.